Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Okay, so Dave, be prepared. Rick Doyle, i.e. Trash Canyon, is going to be the most colorful interview on the Boiling Point that we've had yet. We're going to leave the, the suspense with the phone ringing like this. Hi, Sarah Bailoff, Rick Doyle speaking. Uh, hi, uh, Rick Doyle. This is uh, this is Greg Hemmings from Hemmings House, and I've got some real serious problems happening. I was wondering uh, how much it would cost to, to kick all these guys out of my uh, out of my out of my studio. They're, they're causing a well, ruckus. That's, that's not a problem, Greg. We're on our way. Lights and sirens, buddy. <laughs> Rick, how you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm just sitting here watching the latest on Trump TV. Oh, listen! Don't even bring that up in the studio at this point. All right. <laughs> So it, it, it's fascinating, man. No, it's no. fascinating. You couldn't write this shit. Oh, I, I, it, it, it is true, man. This is the soap opera of our times. And, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to pretend I don't watch it. I follow it every single day. Every day. What what is this interesting character uh, has, has has done uh, to disrupt the world today? Yeah. <laughs> So a- absolutely, but at the end of the day, you know the good guys are going to prevail. Yeah. But uh, still, it's pretty interesting. So Rick, you have not met my co-host Dave yet. I don't think. Now, do you remember years ago when we started hanging out? I, I don't know if you remember. I had a, an executive coach, and I was doing a documentary called "The Airplane Journal." It's all about coaching. Do you remember that at all? Greg, I've had multiple concussions, and I drink like a fish. I'm lucky if I remember last weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dave. Meet, meet Rick. Hey, Rick. How are you? Nice to meet you. Good, buddy. What was the name again? Dave, and the last name is Vale. Dave. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. And I'm looking. I'm looking you on you. A bunch of images of you on Google right now, and uh, I'm glad you're not coming here. Sirens uh, running to <laughs> to kick me out of this place because I would leave before you got here. <laughs> They're, they're all Photoshop, man. So don't worry well, it about looks it. Like, it looks like Greg's body, though. Is that true? Yeah. Did you Photoshop Which picture are you Greg's looking at? Body? Which picture are you looking at? Okay, so uh, the, the poor audience has no idea who, who we're talking to uh, and the context. So we're going to rewind. So I, I'm, I'm going to introduce you, Rick, to Dave and to the audience. But you and I have years and years and years of, uh, of history, Rick. Um, yeah. And I'm going to take us back, Dave, to... Probably 2007, perhaps, and I was in Calgary, um, and I got this call from the film commission in New Brunswick, and they said, "Listen, there's uh, these really large men in our office, uh, and they're wrestlers, and they want a TV show. I don't know what to do. Uh, will you talk to them?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure. I'm not a wrestling fan, but I'd be happy to talk." So, a couple days later, <clears throat> Rick Doyle calls me. And this guy did his research on me. He knew my whole CV. He knew everything. And he was he was so sharp and uh, and complimentary. He was like calling me Mr. Hemmings. And, you know, he's admired my work for years. And he just, he buttered me right up to a point where I said, I'd love to do a TV series with you guys. <laughs> and, what, so, and the product was? The wrestling Reality, which was in a, a phenomenal 
docu-soap that we did following Rick and a bunch of other wrestlers around, which then moved on to another series from another network called Cardinal Sinners, which then put us into a position to do a TV series called Cubicle of the Cage, which is an MMA story that I, th- I think we have to reserve for Rick to tell because it truly was transformational in Rick's life and many other people's lives. But now... He has found his groove where we're wrestling, protecting people and fighting and all this stuff comes together in his new company, which is actually making really amazing positive impact in his community, which is uh, working as a bailiff and really taking care of stuff that the cops really don't have jurisdiction to take care of. So I'm going to stop introducing you now, Rick. You tell me if I missed anything and then uh, you can start anywhere in that in that whole timeline as to where our relationship started. Yeah, well, you, you've you hung around longer in my life than any woman, that's for sure. Oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so are we, on, are we doing the show now? We've, this, we've, we've been live yeah, baby. for the last We've been five live minutes. since we called you. <laughs> really? I didn't even comb my hair. Uh, well, okay, I got you on speakerphone, so can you hear me okay? Yeah, do you mind taking it off uh, just so you're a little bit clearer? Uh, okay, all right. <laughs> Sorry to bother you. (laughs) That sound any better? Yeah, that's good. Okay. So, yeah, I think that pretty much summed it up, Greg. Yeah, I've known you for quite a few years, and uh, you've been involved in in those television shows, and we had some great times. And, uh, you know, now I've moved into this small business, and I'm operating, and uh, it truly feels like it's everything I've done in my life, I believe, has led up to this. I've required all the skills that I picked up in order to do this, so... Yeah, it's been a good time. Why don't, why don't you explain what Five Star Bailiff is first? I think that's a good place to start. Well, I will, but i got to ask you first. Like, what is this show that we're doing here anyway? Like, what what's this for? He Greg didn't tell you? He didn't give you any anything? No, and you no. Because he said you were a big fan and were asking to come on. Yeah, well, I just, I, I lie a lot, too. So, I mean, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no, it's, it's I'm, free, a big it's, fan, I'm a big fan of Greg, yeah, okay? I like mean, every, every time I go on Facebook, I mean, there's Greg Hemming's post of something. I mean, he's the worst. He's the worst on social media. I can't. I can't even look at it without seeing him on that. Yeah. So I know you did the show, but what, like, what's this show about? What's your audience? Well, our audience is pretty diverse, but I would say we're we're always excited to talk to people who are doing entrepreneurial things, pioneering things. You know, we're and it sounds like you've got a whole series of things you've been pioneering on, and we just have a free flow conversation where there's no real structure to this. Um, people come on and listen to everyone from uh, an astronaut to we just had uh, an entrepreneur in residence for uh, opportunities in New Brunswick to you to you know so so there's so it just really goes where you want to go but but I mean I'm curious if if I could just you know go back to Greg's question about this you know this new new enterprise you have and you talk and what's interesting for me as an entrepreneur like Greg is um, when you you said something really interesting. Rick was just, you know, it feels like it's the culmination of a whole bunch of things I've done have come together. And I own a coaching business and, and dude, I can totally relate to that feeling, you know, about it just, you know, everything kind of that led up to that actually, that's why, how it fits perfectly. So could we start there and just learn more about, you know, when you say it's a culmination of a whole bunch of things, you know, what is it you're doing and, and how does this all come together? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Now that I, now that I know what we're talking about. And, and I got to warn your listeners right off the bat. You may hear things that come out of my mouth that's going to blow you right out of the water. Okay. <laughs> but that's the way I roll. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but if I do offend you, 
that's really the, the the least painful thing I could do to you. So don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it. Okay. And you know what? I don't. I don't and that's and I don't they, need they, any harm. It'll have an explicit but, warning, so they'll they'll be ready for it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, don't you know? So I'm probably not your typical entrepreneur you're going to be talking to. But nevertheless, I think there is a niche for me somewhere. I'm not sure where, but it's there. And uh, I'm trying to find my way. But how this whole thing started, I actually finished with the television series, Cubicle to the Cage. And um, I was really trying to make a new start in life. I moved to Halifax and on my own for the first time and tried to find my way. So I got a call from a guy by the name of Wade Graves, who owns a repo company, and said, would you like to be a repo man? I'm like, "Uh, hell yeah, let's do this. So we went out and started doing, uh, I, I did car repos for a few years for him. I have a pretty short attention span, so it didn't take long. I wanted to venture into new things. And we were getting more and more calls for residential tenancy issues. And Wade said to me, he said, Rick, uh, you know, I've been doing this 25 years. This is what I want to do. But you seem, you, you seem interested in this stuff. So why don't you look at branching out on your own? I think maybe in a way he was just trying to get rid of me, but I'm not sure. But we remain great friends to this day. And he helped me a lot. So one of the first calls that I got uh, was from a lady called Ann Organ. I had done a little job for her once before, and I'll never forget this day. It was about 5 o'clock. I'm driving home. I get a phone call from her, and I could, hear, I could tell she was very upset. And she said, Rick, can you come to my office right away? I have a problem. And I said, what's going on? She said, I just had a tenant come in here and he cornered me in my office and he was yelling and screaming at me. And I'm terrified. Uh, He threatened that he knew where I lived and knew where my car was parked. And I'm scared. I said, "Okay, listen, first of all, call the police. And I said, I'm on my way. So I got there before the police did. And uh, this lady is 62 years old and she was visibly shaken. Okay, this guy really scared the hell out of her. So when the police arrived, you know, they took her statements and and whatnot, and they did talk to the guy. But he was street savvy enough. He never directly threatened her enough that there could be any charges. And that's when it really occurred to me. Now, I met this guy later on, and I and I took a job on and helped her go through the eviction process to get rid of him. And I represented her. And, you know, when I met this guy, he was no threat to me. He did not bother me in any way. I, I, I was at no point that I feel, wow, this guy can hurt me. But then I began to understand just because he posed no threat to me doesn't make her fear any less. This woman was terrified of this guy, and that is real. And there's no one to help that person. there's no one to help that woman feel more secure. And we all know that the police will say, well, there's nothing we can do until he does something to you. And that's, that's a scary place to be. So that's how kind of when I began to realize this, you got to know that bad people aren't bad people. Just sometimes bad people are bad people all the time. And, and whether they're at work or they're on the street or they're in their home and you have a percentage of the population, um, you know, that causes a lot of, of fear and they scare the hell out of people and they do it in their, in their own homes, in their own apartment buildings. And uh, that's when I began to recognize that, wow, you know, there's a place for me out there to represent people that can't really represent themselves. 
And, and so, Rick, what, why don't you quickly uh, interject as well and tell the audience about that odd law that means, you know, and, and if you're really good at playing the game, you can actually live for free for many, many, many months and how you're dealing with these type of type of uh, offenders. How does that work? Yeah, well, see, what I concentrate on is civil law. So, um, and there, there's really no teeth to civil law, which is which is mind-boggling in a way. And I'll put it in perspective: if if you go into a convenience store and steal a bag of chips and and, and a bottle of pop, they're going to call the police, and the police are going to come and they're going to charge you. Okay, you're in trouble. But you can go somewhere and. I had like at one case, a $100,000 truck that this guy scammed out of the car dealership, drove down the road before they realized it was a scam and then disappeared. He could drive away with that $100,000 truck. That's not against the law. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not going to come after him with lights and sirens saying, give this truck back. That's, you know, I'm the guy you got to call to find that guy and take that truck back. But uh, Rick, why is the second scenario with the truck? Why? What is it? Because there's a nuance in there somewhere. Like, so it's, they're not actually breaking in and stealing it. But like, how, how is that not against the law? The second version. Well, there's there in that case, there's a, a written civil agreement between two parties, right? Okay. And 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 you yeah you're you're breaching a contract. So so it's essentially, uh, you could drive off the lot with a payment, even with a payment plan. You know, contract. And never pay back. And, that, I see what you're saying. Okay, I got you. Okay. And never pay it back. Right. So, um, yeah, and, and and what, you know, we've talked about before, Greg, is Nova Scotia has one of the worst tenancy laws in the country. It's awful. You know, a lot of these property companies that I work for are based out of Toronto and, and other places. And they're like, oh, my God, I can't make money in Nova Scotia. It can take, and I've seen this happen, up to six months to get somebody out of your property, out of your apartment. So, and and that's if they appeal all the way through and, and, and do this purposely. And there are people that do this on a daily basis. You know, they'll move into an apartment and they don't pay a cent. And it takes you six months and you've got to sit back while they destroy your property and there's nothing you can do. Isn't there a movie like so, with Michael Keaton around this um where he goes in his couple in san francisco buys his home and he moves into the bottom and starts drilling holes and putting bugs in and they can't get, have you ever, i mean i remember that i can't yeah. remember what it was though. okay anyway sorry i digress well yeah but i mean it's a it's a real problem and you know because it's civil law police will not get involved uh it's it's government regulated uh, the tenancy board obviously so you know, they put a series of checks and balances in there, but when you're a property owner and you own something and somebody has sat there, I had a case uh, last month where, you know, a woman moved out of her home to move in with her mother to take care of her while she was dying of cancer. She rented her house out. She rented it to the wrong person. That person went three months, had not paid any money. At that point, the bank is knocking on her door saying, we need your mortgage payments. Or, you know, we're going to start foreclosure. Now, that's not fair. We all know right and wrong, and that's definitely wrong. It, it shouldn't happen. So, you know, those are the type of clients that I come in with, and, and I have a pretty good understanding of the law, and I try to work with them to try to find ways that we can expedite the, the whole procedure. And why don't you tell us, like, f- for me, Rick, knowing you as a wrestler, knowing you as a, as a full, legit uh, MMA fighter, you are an intimidating human being. 
Uh, I mean, you know how to become one when needed. Last night, you and I had a great discussion late at night about some of your tactics. Our, our listeners un- fully understand what they're getting into listening to this this episode. Why don't you go through this a little bit with us? So last night, Dave, just so you know, I saw one of Rick's videos. So to protect them legally, and by the way, the police are fully endorsing Rick. Like they've got his back. He's doing his thing. He videotapes like with old GoPros or something for evidence and protection and all this. And he showed me a video last night that was jaw-dropping. And it was a bunch of squatters in this apartment. They're all t- completely strung out on drugs. And I'm seeing Rick go in. And Rick, just take it from there because it was it was so brutal in a way, the way that you were able to take control of that situation. It'd be, it'd be tough to watch for, for people who don't really understand what's going on. Why don't you walk yeah. us through a typical scenario where you're using your Rickness to, uh, to take care of biz? <laughs> My rickness. Uh, well, yeah, okay. And first of all, I do want to clarify that uh, the police don't necessarily have my back. I mean, they they know who I am. They know what I do, uh, and and I have to follow the laws. At the, you know, the same as everybody else. Uh, and, I, and I'm very careful of that. That that I don't breach people's rights or break the law. And I think they respect the fact that I try to do that at, at all times. But in this particular case, yeah, it was pretty intense. A group of squatters had moved into an apartment. The, the leaseholder was gone. No one knew where he was. He'd been gone for a long time. And these people just came in. And there was some serious drug issues. And things had escalated over three weeks. The landlord could not get them out, was was intimidated by what was going on. And and. These are people that were walking up and down the hall of the apartment building, and there was a 30-year tenant on one side and a 20-year tenant down below saying, you know what, we kill anybody in here that says anything, you know, things like that. So if you're an elderly person, you know, in your apartment, you're going to be terrified of, you know, what these guys are doing. Um, So anyway, they had completely destroyed this apartment. Uh, the police were in the night before, made a series of arrests because there was a pretty serious assault. I, I think there might have been a stabbing as well uh, that night. They had placed a bunch of them under arrest. Uh, so we were called in the next day to clean these people out of the apartment. Um, so when we arrived, there was only two young females there. Uh, they were obviously you know, strung right out. But So I laid down to them. You know, they had to go, gave them some time to get their personal possessions in order. And while we were there, and Greg, you saw the videotape of this, uh, one of them had been released from jail, and he showed up. And I I saw him outside, then he came in, he went by the superintendent, and um, I could hear him yelling outside. And as he's coming up the steps, I could hear it. He goes, "I, I don't give a shit if I go back to jail for assault, I'm going in there. So I immediately realized that, you know, there's a threat coming up the step. And when these guys are on these drugs, they're very unpredictable. You you really don't know. So going back to my use of force background, I need to de-escalate this situation very, very quickly. Or my, my safety or my partner's safety, you know, is at risk. So, you know, I, I'm very verbally aggressive to him. And I know, Greg, when you watch that videotape, you're like, wow, I, I can't believe you talk to him like that. You've got to understand that when I'm dealing with somebody like that, I need to control that situation to the best of my ability. And I don't carry a gun, okay? If the police is confronting a, a dangerous situation, 
they don't, you know, they pull their gun out and they don't say, uh, could you get on the ground? You know, they pull their gun out and say, get on the ground. You know, it's very, they need to take control of that situation. I do the same thing. I don't have a gun. I carry fuck. That's what I, I carry the word fuck. So I say, you're not fucking coming in here right now. Okay. That's my gun. That's all I got. Okay. But it works and it catches people off guard and I need to take control of that situation for my own safety. So in that particular case, I had a guy who made a threat to me and then within two minutes was completely submissive. And it was, it so, was amazing, Dave, to see what happened because I'm watching this and I'm hearing Rick completely like blast into this guy, you know, using, using what Rick uh, says, his weapon of choice, the, the F-bomb. And the guy, like, I, it was amazing to see two stoned young people um, totally go and and submit, and and the and the, the the fellow is like, I'm gonna call my mom, or or, so, or there's something really interesting in a power dynamic that happened there. And when I talked to Rick about it after, there could that could have been a violent situation, uh, but instead Rick put it into into control by <clears throat> being violent with his words, but he got the job done and nobody got hurt. Right. Yeah, that's the that's the most le- that's the least invasive thing that that anyone can ever say. So what? You're offended because I use that word? We don't wear bulletproof vests for show. Okay, what we do, the threat is very very real by times. When you're going into someone's home or you're going on someone's property to execute a job, you never know the level of threat that's coming at you. You know, are they going to release the dogs? Are they going to come out of the house with a gun? I mean, I grew up in the country. Everybody's got a gun in their in their backyard. And if somebody's snooping around your yard, right, these threats are very real. So, uh, yeah, I use all the tools that are at my disposal. And verbal, uh, verbally aggressive is one of my most, uh, you know, most I, useful one. I, well, and the psychology of it is fascinating, eh? To hear, you know, and, and, um, so, and clearly, you know, you, you, you wrestled, you, you know, you understand aggression and you understand submissiveness and that sort of thing. Um, was it like, you know, having to confront that on a, I'm guessing a fairly regular basis, like, you know, in terms of this is how I make a living and, uh, but it's well, not in a controlled environment, like of a cage or something like that. Well, I mean, I was a, I was a bouncer for many years. So I always said that stepping into an MMA cage was the safest thing I ever did. Exactly. Uh, you know, there, there's a referee there. He'll stop it when you're done. You know, in, in bar fights back in the day, there was no referee. Uh, you were done when the other guy decided he was done. <laughs> you know, uh, so, and, and not that I'm any type of tough guy. I really don't consider myself that. But what I do think I have is a good sense of what's right and what's wrong. And I'm not afraid. And that's the difference. I, I'm, I'm not afraid of that situation and a lot of people are you know we talk about bullying and aggression and everything in school we hear it all the time bullying in school i want to tell you something right now there is bullying in every age group and every aspect of life and it doesn't matter if you're the, the garbage man or if you're working as a you know in a in a white collar environment there are bullies wherever you go these people a lot of times don't even understand that they're bullies. It's just human nature to push people and try to get what you can get until somebody stops them. And that's what I do. Now, that being said, the people that hire me aren't always right. They're not always the, 
the good guys. They're, they're, you know, and when I identify those situations, I don't go to work for them or I tell them and, uh, and, and I'll turn down the job. But that's the trick. That's the trick to it. If you think for one second that this type of thing does not go on on a daily basis somewhere, you're kidding yourself. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny I, you say that because and you think about the environments where, you know, it's almost the social norm is acceptable, right? Like I'm thinking of a corporate environment and, you know, and the, what we're learning now about how, how tough that is on other people and, and the stress they carry and the health repercussions as a result, you know, and, and like you describe a white collar environment. Um, you know what I like, Rick, as I was listening to you is, is, you know, the story you start with and it's about the 62-year-old uh, landlord and, and a landlady or, and the fact that it sounds to me like it's important for you, you, you feel you're in a position and you built a business around helping vulnerable people. Well, you know, it's funny because in the same week that we had this very aggressive um, eviction situation, we had a 180 degree case uh, where we had to go visit a lady. She owed her property company $5,000. She had gone through the court, they had gone through the court system and, and it was fiction time. She had to go. So we sat down and I always sit down and talk with people if possible. And here was a lady that had nowhere to go. I mean, literally had nowhere to go. She had no friends. Um, she had called a couple friends and said, can I stay at your place? And people turned her down. So she really had nowhere to go whatsoever. Um, so, and I'm not sure how to describe this, but I'm going to try to, she worked at a grocery store two days a week, absolutely loved her job. Okay. And I don't know how to put this. and It's not going to offend anybody. I don't mean any offense on this, but the lady was simple. I don't know the term that you're supposed to use, right? But she's a little slow. Okay. So in, when you sit down and you talk to this person, she loves going to work. Can't wait to get to work. But she's probably that person that goes to work and everybody kind of snickers at her. You know, look at her. Oh, geez, that dummy. And I don't know if you've ever done it, but I have. And I'm ashamed of my behavior after getting into this job because I started to look at the other side of things a little bit more. This woman here, she had two cats. So she was so concerned about her cats. So I drove drove her to the animal shelter and she put her cats up for adoption. And then I drove her and I put some of her personal possessions in her car, in my car. And I drove her to the homeless shelter and dropped her off. Now I take pride in that, that even though it was an ugly situation or a bad situation, someone had to do it. And I'm glad I did it versus a government official that would just leave her standing beside the curb and, and try to help her out. There's, there's always a flip side to what we do but we try to help people at the end of the day. Man, uh, you, you really see a segment of society that, you know, that a lot of people don't it's, see. it's the underbelly, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and as you're describing this, you just, you know, your heart goes out to this person, you know? Yeah, oh my and, God. Yeah, and, and the worst of it is, I mean, this particular woman, after spending a couple hours with her, it's difficult to try to help these people. Like, I know I could give that woman $10,000, and in six months' time, she'd be in the same spot. Yeah. She's not a bad person. She's not a druggie. She's not an alcoholic. She's not a gambler. She's not, not you know, I'm, I'm not placing any, any judgments on people, but I'm saying she doesn't, she's just slow, right? And she probably makes bad decisions and she really can't help it. Those are the people that we do try to help along the way as well. So Rick, sadly, we're at the end of our, our time here, man. And we've got uh, another guest coming up at the end. 
the how we like to end our podcast, and there's so much more to talk about, man. So I I also feel like we got to get you but back you, on. And you've got you've got uh, clearly you and Rick before we go to this segment where they can yeah. learn more about Rick. I mean, there there is a, a documentary or a series in the making well, for sure. A, in, in all reality, there's nobody else on Earth that I've filmed more than Rick. So if we think about all all of your life phases, Rick, from early wrestling reality to Cardinal Sinners. You know, big life changes with your family, convincing you to sign up for Keep Girl to the Cage when you didn't want to, uh, end up fighting a pro fight as a result and it changing your life, uh, meeting lifetime friends like Boyd and others, and then finding your groove. Like, we've been through a lot, you know, and I filmed a lot of it. That's the interesting You got to film this, and though. This well, is, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Greg. Uh, Keep Girl to the Cage, uh, that experience changed my life. It changed my outlook on life and it changed my perspective. And uh, it made me realize for the first time that the most, that the biggest contribution I can make in my life is to try to help other people. And that's the whole point of this company. Yeah, I'd like to make some money along the way and keep out of jail. But um, <laughs> at the end of the day, when we finish our week or we finish our day, we can say every day that we genuinely help somebody and we tried to do it the most ethical professional way that we possibly could. I love that, man. And yes, Dave, you're right. Like Rick and I talk about this all the time. So is Tidby and Rick as well. Like what Rick's doing now, it's a TV show. It's a series. It's amazing. Yeah. But Rick, I think one of these days we got to, we have to make a Netflix feature documentary, like a one-off doc about you just called Rick or called trash Canyon. Well, I don't know what it's going to be called. Or, or Rickness. But, What's that? True Rickness. True Rickness. Ah, oh, that is good. Uh, <laughs> Rick, really on, honored, man, to have you on. Um, I, I feel like we do have a lot more to talk about, so I wouldn't mind touching base again in the fall. I've been saying this a lot lately because half hour is not enough time. Um, how do people get a hold of you? How do they follow you? How do they become uh, one of your customers? Great. I really appreciate that, Greg. You can, uh, if you'd like to check out the website, uh, that's www.5starbailiff.com. .ca. And I know a lot of people don't know how to spell bailiff correctly the first time, uh, <laughs> but it's B-A-I-L-I-F-F. So everybody screws that up the first time. So uh, that's your website. Um, there is a five-star bailiff of civil enforcement on uh, Facebook. And um, if you'd like to give me a call and chat anytime about the kind of things that we do. I know the interview sounded a little crazy today, but we take a lot of pride in doing things. No, it, did, it, it, did, it didn't sound didn't sound crazy. It sounded like a yeah. guy who's got things under control. <laughs> you can give me a call at uh, area code 902-478-8420. And uh, any questions about what we do or anything we can help you with, uh, don't hesitate to call. Rick, thanks a lot, brother. And I look forward to seeing you again in person sometime soon. It's well overdue. <laughs> well overdue. Nice thanks. meeting you, Rick. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, pleasure you, was all mine. All right, buddy. Take care. Take care. There's so much interesting background here. And I I am really honored to have been able to meet him because when he and Peter Smith, these two wrestlers, called me back in 2008, I was like, uh, wrestling was the furthest thing from my interest. And I was like, uh. (laughs) But it it helped me become a a lover of telling great human stories. I realize it's not the subject that we film that matters it's the people yeah and their character yeah you know and this guy has character well, like, he, and he yeah. has he has integrity man it, it, like, integrity to the and he always has yeah. right you can tell him. you can tell and he was always the hardest worker full of respect and uh 
You know, I've, I've seen the ups and downs of professional and personal life, and he's been very open with it, you know, like on camera, but in that authentic way. No, never, never show, yeah. like a showboat, you know? And that's why I'm so excited to see his success in this business, because it's got all the elements of being an awesome bouncer, all the elements of, of protecting people from bullying, all the elements of that big, tough guy act that wrestling has, and the fact that when he said, I'm not afraid, he's not. If you fight a pro fight, and are okay to get into that cage where it's real, there's not much more that's going to make you scared. Well, and, <laughs> and in fact, I mean, the best bouncers, having spent a few nights in the clubs back in the day, are the ones that can de-escalate a situation. I'm looking forward to meeting him um, at some point because um, the other the other side is just just a really well wonderful storyteller and just such an interesting life perspective and view of 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 kind of what's right and and what's wrong and and helping people along the way and it's so street level too which is yeah. cool because it's something we ignore a lot there's a lot of people with a lot of issues and a lot of opportunities right in a market that rick found that you and i wouldn't have thought of yeah i can't wait to see <laughs> this 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 docudrama whatever it is i mean with that that's just such beautiful content so thanks for thanks for the intro i guarantee this will be well well listened to oh my gosh dave i'll see you next week see you buddy thanks for checking out this episode of boiling point remember to rate and subscribe to us on itunes and follow us on twitter at boiling point pod to see more from dave vale check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on twitter at dave underscore vale and to catch up with greg visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hey, listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer. It's such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>